When the stars of director Michael Bay's Ambulance go on the run, most of the people chasing them are not actors. I had 52 real LAPD. So we had real snipers, real SWAT, real uh, undercover, real tactical teams. There's only a few actors mixed in there. Hello everyone, now welcome to Struggle Session at the Movies. Folks, we're talking about two movies that are in theaters right now that you may want to check out, may not. We'll, we'll give our recommendations, see if it's worth the risk. I am your host, Leslie the Third. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Jack Allison. How's it Hello. going? It's going good, you know, the movies are back. Um, I have the AMCA list, and uh, right before this next COVID comes, I'm trying to get in as many movies as I can. I haven't seen it yet, but I might even go see the fucking stupid Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Oh, shit. You're like, it is like a kind of a sprint, like a little, little dash, you know, you just know, trying I, to get in right before it hits like peak uh, infection. Yeah, we'll see. You know, I uh, I feel I feel okay about the last COVID and my ability to evade it. But as I've been saying, I think I will get afraid when the next COVID drops. And it appears it appears that it is. I saw today that Philadelphia is going to start requiring indoor masks again or something. And I was like, whoa. Well, the first movie that we'll be talking about today is one I was very excited for. It's a love letter to the city of Los Angeles and the first responders that keep it safe, Michael Bay's Ambulance. We meet Will. He's a veteran and his wife has cancer and desperately needs this experimental surgery that the insurance will not cover. Danny has lived in a life of criminality and he's also needing money in a different way. And so Will goes to ask for a favor from his brother. That's my brother. Doesn't look like your brother. Wow, that is original. Will is adopted, but they have a real brother relationship full of all the messiness and violence and love. He hasn't seen his brother for a long time for the right reasons. I will do anything for you, and all I'm asking is for you to do this one little thing for me. But at the end of the day, love makes you lower your standards. And now you're here asking me for help, and what am I giving you? I am giving you the world! Danny's getting what he's always wanted, which is his brother back. Let's go, D. Don't shoot a cop! Plans go awry and they find themselves hijacking an ambulance. I'm gonna need you to help us. Why don't you help us? I got a cop shot. I gotta get him to the hospital. You need to help me. Go help me. Help the cop. Yeah, that's right. You know, this one is a uh, Michael Bay's big IMAX movie. Um, and what we found out, you know, aside from you know even the quality of the movie, which I think we'll talk about shortly, what we found out is that no one, not even Michael Bay can open a non-franchise movie. This movie absolutely ate shit at the box office <laughs> over the weekend. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just, it shows that like even action films, even Michael Bay taking out his red cams and crashing cars all over the city of Los Angeles, Americans don't give a shit uh, unless Spider-Man is in it. Well, Jack, you called this movie big. Not so, actually. $40 million budget 
about a 38 day shoot he actually quality of the movie but this is a remake of a 2005 a danish mm-hmm. film that they've been trying to remake for a while the remake was first announced in 2015 so it's definitely been around for a while now michael bay god bless him he did not watch the original movie or read the original script before <laughs> making it uh, his that's own. what we're and, talking about that's what we're and talking you can kind of tell and you i think you can kind of tell because this movie i swear to god is a heist movie where they do not actually show the heist. And it's the most bizarre choice I've seen in a film in a very in a very long while. I was very excited for this. And Jack, you got you got me hyped for this saying, oh man, this is Michael Bay doing heat. Now I know you liked it a bit more than me, but I did not feel like I was watching Michael Bay's. No, I, I, I don't think I was either. I think that I got excited, you know, sort of for the heat of it all from the trailer. And, you know, you're right. You know, about as much um, of the heist, you know, that's in the movie is what's in the trailer. There is not much more of the heist uh, in the trailer. But what, what I did like this movie, and it's a lot more of a speed than it is a heat. Yes. Uh, and I think that it works pretty well as a speed. I mean, you know... I just like watching fucking cars getting crashed into each other and shot with the red cam. You know, there are a lot of pretty stupid plot points in this movie. And, you know, granted, I saw this with a great crowd. You know, I saw this at an IMAX, you know, on opening night. um, And this crowd was having a blast. They were like openly laughing out loud at all of the hilarious plot points. And people were like screaming like, what? And stuff like that. You know, Um, for me... I just am. I was just excited throughout this movie. I think this movie moves really quickly. And, you know, while we don't see a lot of the heist, I really appreciated that this thing just sort of starts and never fucking lets up for the entire movie. The thing that I'd say, you know, that would would illustrate that um, is normally in a movie like this, you'd get the main character going to, you know, the person who's going to try to convince him to do a heist. And then you'd have the main character like go off and agonize about it and like think about it and then finally decide he has to do it in this movie you know yeah yeah mateen goes to uh you know his brother jake gyllenhaal's what auto repair shop and jake gyllenhaal is at that moment preparing to go do a heist in like 20 minutes from then like he comes to ask him for money and he's like hey i'm doing a heist right now get in the car yaya mateen does do the you know refusal of the call but it's like 20 seconds long he's like no i can't do it and he like walks away sort of within the same room as jake gyllenhaal and then he decides to agree to go do it jack i was really with you at that point the problem is though and it started very early the first scene of the movie when it said up the premise where you have Yaya, he's an ex-soldier uh, company, and I swear to God, the conversation had to be written by someone who's actually never had to make a phone call to like an insurance company. It makes <laughs> no sense whatsoever. It's bizarre. The conversation that he then then has with his wife, who is incre- one of the thinnest female characters in any Michael Bay movie. Every time you see her, she's literally holding a baby. 
even at the crime scene at the end when there's been this huge crash and pileup and there's a hundred thousand cops everywhere she brings the baby there too and the conversation they have makes no sense but by the time but like and it takes a really long time and it's like michael bay used to get his shit in like a lot more interesting and a lot faster you wouldn't start the movie with this kind of phony you know almost like Clint Eastwood style, we're not taking care of our troops thing. And that's why this big crime spree is going to happen. You know, I, I really I but but once we got past that and we got Jake Gyllenhaal in there and it felt like a different movie, it felt like a Michael Bay movie. And it's like we were going and we were in it and we were in it to win it. And I'm so ready to see the heist. We get the introduction of the crew, which I did feel was a little bit fast. You know, Michael Bay likes to give us a lot of guys in this movie, right? Every movie from, you know, The Rock, Con Air, all these things, like there's like a crew of dude, bad dudes that you get introduced to, similar to like the crew in Aliens. But I feel like our crew in this movie, like was very thin, didn't really matter. It was only about the two brothers. And that's part of why it loses the heatness for it. Because it's like the movie doesn't care about the heist. It doesn't care about the criminal underworld. It's just about this... Uh, this relationship between these two brothers and it, it some of it works I like yeah yeah I like you know Jake I like their chemistry I I, I really dug it but it, it just wasn't the big enough crime movie that I wanted and especially when you get towards the end where it just stops being a crime movie and starts being about like how cool the cops are and it's like half a CSI episode it really lost me you know, we're basically talking exclusively about the plot and the script here, which I do think there is a lot of goofy shit in here. We're not talking about, you know, how cool the movie looks and how well shot I think that the action sequences are. Um, you know, Red Camera built a new camera for Michael Bay to be able to use drones with the Red Cam in this. And I think Michael Bay actually gets off, you know, some of the only only good drone footage I've ever seen, like flying up buildings and down downtown LA and then going and like setting up other, you know, he like flies up a whole building and then down it to like go meet the next characters. And yeah, I don't know for a movie, you know, that does have some special effects. There's also just a ton of cool practical effects. And yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I, I wanted little more out of this movie than Michael Bay running around Los Angeles and crashing cars into each other and shooting it with a red camera. And I do think that I got that. I mean, it does have some compelling action but half of it like there's no tension towards it because you already know what's going to happen an hour later in the movie they make this bizarre choice to explain like the climax of the movie like an hour ahead of time and the climax of the movie is the same as the climax of too fast too furious where they're going to drive out where they're being chased by the cops so they're going to drive under an overpass and then pull out with five different ambulances and you know kind of confuse them they have the funny line where one of the cops says that's an old military to do that <laughs> no actually that's that's what uh, like the crew from uh, fast did in too fast too furious that's probably where the military they, got it yeah but they did it with like a hundred sports cars you know maybe even more than that this one is like five ambulances and it's and, just, and also it is funny that the the way that they're hiding their ambulances they've like sloppily painted it green and it still looks like an ambulance very funny so, yeah, so I'm sitting through 45 plus minutes of the movie knowing that this thing that they've already explained to me is going to come up. So I'm not worried that so this person or that person is going to die at any point during that 45 
Minutes. But we are all we've also got insane sequences like when, you know, the EMT calls all her doctor buddies. This is insane watching these people like reach into this man's body and be instructed over video call. You know, some I think a lot of the complaints, you know, are sort of plot based. And I do think the plot in this is pretty insane. Uh, but I think it's really well shot. I think Michael Bay has still got it. And, you know, and frankly, I think it's a I think it's a shame that this movie did like shit because it, it shows that we're not ever going to get just like straight up action movies like this anymore. They're going to have to star Dr. Michael Morbius. I don't know. I feel like a more compelling movie and premise could have gotten more people into theaters. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would tell people uh, to tr- to check out uh, Ambulance for the next three days while it's still in theaters. All right. I would say, you know, stay at home. Watch old Michael Bay movies. <laughs> watch. I, I mean, there's just better crime movies. I'm not sure it's worth uh, going out to see this one in theaters. And it will be on streaming very, very shortly. Okay, up next, a movie that entirely lives up to its title, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. What's happening? Evelyn, I'm not your husband. I'm another version of I'm from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions. This is a sci-fi black comedy by the Daniels, Dan Kwan, Daniel Scheinart. If the music video for Turn Down for What was like a seminal experience uh, in your aesthetic progression, this is the movie for you because it's that and more of it. Jack, what did you think about everything, everywhere, all at once? There's a real chance that I could have loved this movie. And I do think that like it almost gets there. And there's a lot that I really do like about it a whole lot. And I'm, I'm going to be talking. I'll talk about that more. Um, but where this movie, this movie... <laughs> I even wonder if I agree that it's a black comedy because I almost feel like it's like an adult swim comedy just from like the style of humor that it is. You know, I, there's so much I love about it. I, I really love, you know, that it's a sci-fi story that, you know, at its heart is really sort of, you know, a personal like family story. I love doing something really big and with such a high concept like this that still really is just about the characters and is about like a small and sort of emotional uh, story. Um, I also really do like, you know, that it sort of features a type of character that sort of typically blends into the background uh, in film and like in life, this, you know, sort of Asian uh, laundromat owner, um, immigrant, Chinese immigrant, where this movie really doesn't work for me is the humor. Um, I thought that the, the, the jokes in this, uh, you know, were, <laughs> 
ultimately struck me as somewhat like insecure because I really was like there is such a good core to this movie and there's so much about it that really really works but then we are just so nonstop with these very sort of Rick and Morty style jokes um, that I wish that they had had the confidence in their story and in 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 you know the the core idea of the movie to not rely so heavily on that stuff because I, I guess I guess what I feel like is I wish this movie wasn't so annoying um, is kind of how I ultimately felt. I, I have to give it a B, which is like very, very high, you know, comparatively to movies. And it is still a movie I'd recommend uh, people seeing. But without that many changes, I think it could have been an A plus for me. I, I, and I think it was a pretty good movie, but it like you said, the humor just felt really out of place. It felt like very James Gunning to me. It's like mm-hmm. you have all these interesting visual. You have this fun sci-fi concept. It was this very kind of it reminded me a bit of Primer with the do it with how they, you know, visualize their uh, their all their sci-fi technology where basically you can travel to different dimensions if you do a specific TikTok challenge. Uh, <laughs> and that's how and that's how it works. And, and it stars Michelle Yao in just this fantastic role. And she's great in it. She's um, great. She gets to do, show all her different sides of her as an actress, as an action star. But it also spends uh, so much time with these jokes and these silly gags that kind of undercut everything mm-hmm. else that's going on and feel like they're from a different movie, a James Gunn movie, a Marvel mm-hmm. movie. Uh, it's just these really, you know, silly gags that are like central to the plot, like the main um, villain of this movie, which who was originally supposed to be played by Aquafina. <laughs> well, I'm glad, you know, good change. Uh, Stephanie Hsu, uh, who plays Michelle Yao's daughter. Uh, so it's, it's about the Wang family, Evelyn Wang, Wangman Wang, Joy Wang and uh, Gong Gong, uh, the grandfather, and basically what we don't what we don't know going in is that they're the Fantastic Four, <laughs> and so but we see uh, the most boring version of them where they're just a family that runs the laundromat, but in this other reality they're the Fantastic Four, except the daughter has gone evil because she's seeing that because there's so many multiverses and there's so many different iterations of life that ultimately nothing that she can do has any meaning and she wants to destroy everything uh, so that she can finally die and I ended up by the end of this film really sympathizing with her because (laughs) I've never liked this multiverse concept because of the exact reasons outlined in the plot if every single thing that has happened can happen nothing matters certainly not a movie so why are you telling me in this movie that like basically nothing matters that happens? I I I sympathize with the villain. Now it did, you know, try the movie did eventually pare down back to the family thing, where the movie is ultimately about her accepting the fact that her daughter is gay. Like this mm-hmm. that's this real the real actual plot of the movie. But and but by the time you get to the end, you could basically tell yourself that the entire of entirety of the movie was a dream sequence where all she did was she was kind of shitty to her daughter slept on it came back and stopped being as shitty to her daughter and that's kind of like what happens in the movie and none of the other stuff really matters and i yeah. I, I feel like when you t- when you tell these kind of stories where people 
very mundane people um, have a breach, uh, have experience, encounter with, you know, something extremely bizarre and supernatural and just blows everything that they know out the water, you usually keep expanding. You usually keep going. You don't pare it back down uh, to their family problems and the fact that they can't pay taxes. Um, the Daniels explicitly said that this was their matrix. That's what this was their matrix. Now, the end of the matrix is not Neo going back to work the next day um, with a better attitude. But that's kind of what happens in this movie even though a lot of the same things happen even the uploading the skills and learning martial arts and kung fu which by the way i was so excited when she finally learned martial arts but then they didn't really do that much with it i thought that movie the movie was then gonna shift okay now this is gonna be action movie where she's gonna have a big showdown with her daughter but that's not it kind of happens, but then it, it not really it. I don't know. I, I don't want to spoil too much about it because it is a fun movie it is worth seeing, but it ultimately kind of let me down. I might ch check it out again, but I think a sh it could have been a much shorter movie. It did not need to be, you know, two hours and six minutes. Yeah. You could tell it was directed by music video directors. That's very, very clear for watching it. Um, some of that could have been cut, even though some the visuals were great and amazing and creative, but they didn't mean anything and they were coming at you so fast. Like, it, like you know, it, it, it's a very you know, fun movie to watch. I think a lot of people will be watching this, you know, at 2 a.m. after a party. It's great for that. But as a movie movie, it could have been a lot better and something that I would have been entirely on board with. The performances in this are great. The characters are great. Like, the concept is great. The execution mostly is great, yeah. but there's just so much extra stuff that is just unnecessary and makes it a worse movie. Yeah, I, I'm not quite as bothered as you are by, you know, the the plot sort of boiling back down to being about, you know, the family uh, more at the end. Although I do see your point uh, about the Matrix kind of not ending with Neo going back to work and having a better attitude. And it's a funny way to put it. Um, I, I just truly, you know, am just exhausted by the fucking how many times we come back and how delighted they are with like their world where people have like hot dogs for fingers oh, and fucking yes. and for fucking you know how much we're coming back to raccoonie and all this kind of shit like i i, I and again like you know, I don't really watch Rick and Morty, but my understanding that it is that like it's about the multiverse and has a lot of the same yes, goofy shit. Yes, the in same it. stuff. Like it really did feel like a, a fucking Rick and Morty episode or something. And I'm like, man, this is like being reviewed like it's the best movie like at, that has been made, you know, since Citizen Kane or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know. It's a little bit like childish, you know. Um, I don't know. I I wish that I wanted to like this movie, and there's so much. About about it that uh, I did actually like that I'm just disappointed you know even shit like you know they have a whole fight scene where guys have like things stuck up their ass you know what I mean and I don't and they and they're like mosaic censoring it I will say this we're in a movie, you know, I'm not into mosaic censoring. You yes. know what I mean? Like if you're going to have a fight scene where guys have stuff like lodged in their asses, like show their let, dicks. You know what I hang. mean? Like let it's it a hang. fucking movie. You know, if you're going to hang dong, hang dong. It's don't a movie. Play with me. Yeah, don't, don't fuck around with this mosaic stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Like I wish that this was a slightly more grown up movie. I'd like to see something slightly more grown up uh, from these music video directors who are adults and still call themselves the Daniels. By the way, I did have to mention one of the Daniels 
threw shade at the Matrix, actually. The Matrix sequel, specifically. He okay. said, you know, there's only one Matrix movie when asked about it. Mm-hmm. Which, I, which, you know, talk your shit, but you made your Matrix movie, and it's not as good as the sequels to the Matrix. I, I'm sorry I don't to know say. if you saw this also, but they released a big letter like that was posted on Twitter, you know, that they're like, A24 asked us to write a letter, and they wrote this whole really obnoxious thing about like how dare we ask people for two hours of their time and we decided if we were going to be asking for people for two hours of their time in this day and age we had to make the best movie ever made and like all this shit i'm like you guys need to stop reading the reviews right now you need to stop reading your reviews and looking at your rotten tomatoes score this very moment before you become even more insufferable I mean, the weird thing is, like, there are the pieces for a movie as good as people think it is. It's, it's just true. not in the right order. Yeah, and there's so much stuff that just takes away from it, undercuts it. I, you know, even for, like, maybe the first, like, hour or so, I was like, this actually, like, kicks ass. <laughs> I was like, you know, I liked the whole sequence at the beginning. You know, I like when we are at the actual laundromat. I like the switching between languages, you know, switching between English and Chinese and having the subtitle stuff. I even like when we first get to, you know, the IRS and learn about sort of the multiple worlds. But when we get into all of the super fucking goofy, you know, Adult Swim stuff and then that, like is nonstop. They're not one-off jokes. We are back in Raccoonie-verse and Hot Dog Hands universe like every minute for the rest of the movie. I don't know. I just wish this movie was not quite so annoying. You know, I, I'd love to see the Daniels grow up. I was happy to see that in the not fake credits, in the real credits of the movie, they were credited by their actual names and not as the Daniels. Um, and I hope that their next movie... You know, they they grow up, you know, uh, a little bit more. And, you know, I'm not like off of them completely. I think that maybe they have a great movie in them because I think there's a great movie sort of hidden in this one. But, you know, just like, you know, grow up a little bit, I guess is what I'd say. So moving on. So those are two movies that are already out Mm -hmm. from the Daniels. But did you know, Jack, that the Davids are coming back? The Davids? Which Davids? David Lynch and David Cronenberg. That's right. We'll be releasing new movies this year. Can you believe it? A secret David Lynch movie starring Laura Dern might premiere at Cannes uh, next month. Um, so, I, so I guess David Lynch has in between doing his weather reports for NPR, which, you know, I don't want people to think I'm being dismissive of them. They actually do rock. And I, you know, as much as NPR is annoying, almost like 24 seven, those weather reports are pretty good. Uh, but in between doing those, I guess he's like secretly gone off and made a movie with Laura Dern and, I don't know what to tell you. I'm fucking on board, you know? They, they're really pulling out all the stops these days to get us back to theaters. You know, like, everybody's having to come out of retirement and make another movie, like, now. Which is a little confusing because his first movie is also called Crimes of the Future. <laughs> now, that was is about one hour uh, long. It's on YouTube, and if you ever want to feel sick to your stomach for maybe a couple of months, Mm -hmm. watch that movie. There's no gore in it, but I'll tell you the plot summary, which is this. Dystopian future world where all the adult women succumb to a deadly virus. Uh All the 
adult women I have think succumbed to it. And this is I not an anime? I, You're not talking about an anime here? No, or some no. kind of manga? It's, uh, gotcha. it's a it's a very bizarre '70s movie, uh, and I it's a it's good, but not for the faint of heart. Nothing explicit, but it will it will creep you out for a while. Sure, for uh, sure. So, but this new movie, Crimes of the Future, and something he's been cooking for a while. It's his return to science fiction because you know Crony hasn't done a real sci-fi fi- horror movie in like twenty something years. Really, yeah, he's damn. Been, been in his drama mode. Um, but we've got some quotes from people who have seen it. And let me read the synopsis, then I'll read some of the quotes. So, taking a deep dive into the not-so-distant future where humankind is learning to adapt to its synthetic surroundings, this evolution moves humans beyond their natural state and into a metamorphosis, altering their biological makeup. While some embrace the limitless potential of transhumanism, others attempt to police it. Either way, accelerated evolution syndrome is spreading fast. Wow. Saul Tenser, great crony name, uh, right? Yeah. Saul Tenser is a beloved performance artist who has embraced accelerated evolution syndrome, sprouting new and un- unexpected organs in his body. Along cool. with his partner, Caprice, Tenser has turned the removal of these organs into a spectacle for his loyal followers to marvel oh, at damn. in real time theater. Both yeah, we with- love it. But with both the government and the strange subculture taking note, Tensor is forced to consider what would be his most shocking performance of all. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm on board. This sounds good. This sounds yeah, good. Sound- it sounds modern. Uh, I'm, I'm into it. Sounds fucked up, like more Cronenberg body horror. Like, this sounds great. Very brute. Sounds like the brood a bit. Um, yeah. With, uh, growing the new organs. Um, but I can, uh, and this is a quote from somebody who saw it. Anon- he he wants to remain not anonymous for his own safety, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um, I cannot say much, obviously, but if people thought Crash was divisive back in 1996, this is going to create way more chaos and controversy for sure. The last 20 minutes are very tough. Are a very tough sit. I expect wow. walkouts, faintings, and real panic attacks. I almost God had damn. one myself at the Lumiere Theater. No hyperbole, I promise. Sado's role is way too bonkers and radical to contend for a Con Best Actress award in my book, but I love to be proven wrong. I see no precedent in can for a performance of that caliber slash genre gaining momentum with a jury. I mean, Sado basically plays a very off-naked, Gina Payne-like artist of the near future. I am fucking in. Like, fainting in the theater? Like, please. That sounds like a challenge. I'm on board. Vigo's Morrison is going to play Saul. Uh, Leah is going to play Caprice. Kristen Stewart as a Timlin Scott Speedman. I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I'm very, in. very I'm interested. I'm in. This in sounds this fucking great. Um, I'm ready to faint. Do it. Do it to me, Cronenberg. Get me, get me fucking fainting already. Well, all right, folks. That was Struggle Session. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. Do give us those five stars on iTunes. Of, uh, oh, yeah. If you, yeah, if you aren't subscribed yet, Check us out on sesh.plus or patreon.com slash struggle session for all our bonus episodes and episodes ad free. You can also find that at strugglesession.substack.com. Don't forget our friends at Blue Wire who bring you Struggle Session. And playing us out, here's Baseball Hat with projection number three. Peace.
Like what you hear, want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.